Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and joining me is LPJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning once again, everybody, and thank you for joining us this morning here on the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, uh, each and every week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional Cindy Miller, and we are, of course, are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. What's up? I, I got a cold. I don't know how it happened, Uh-oh. but I got a cold. Uh-oh. So if they I sound there a little, are no colds. Yeah, I, it's either... Yeah. It's either know, allergies oh. or COVID. Did you get well, a test? I don't think it's – not yet. I don't think it's the latter, but uh, I think it might be the, the, the previous one you mentioned. But anyways, uh, if I sound a little bit gruff or a little bit hoarse this morning, that's why. Um, we've got a great show this morning, Cindy. We've got uh, the winner of the Iowa Golf Classic, which just happened this past weekend on the Symmetra Tour. Uh, Laura Warren's going to be joining us a little – uh, in just a moment or two, and then uh, to follow up, we're going to uh, spin you once again in the no BS zone, uh, talking about some of the top ten mistakes amateur golfers make uh, in their in their game. We're going to try and see if we can help them out a little bit. But let me remind everybody that uh, uh, Women of Golf is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports Network is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast and Golf Tips the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teach professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. All right, Cindy, our first guest this morning, Laura Wern, is, as I mentioned, the winner of this past weekend's Symmetra Tour event, the Iowa Golf Classic. Uh, she's 28 and is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, she ended her Furman University career with 12 top 10 finishes, and she's also a two-time All-Southern Conference performer uh, as well. She had 108 career starts on the road to the LPGA with 11 top 10 results, uh, became a first-time Symmetra Tour champion at the 2016 Gosling's Dark and Stormy Classic, uh, and in 2013, uh, she was the Women's Southern Amateur finalist and competed in the U.S. Women's Amateur as well. Uh, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest to start things off, Laura Wern. Good morning. Hi. Hi, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I'm just reading all your bio and stuff. How long have you been on the Symmetra Tour? I started in 2014 as an amateur, and uh, I played a little bit that year uh, as a professional, and then I was injured all of 2015. So I kind of feel like 2016 was when I really got going. And have you had status on the LPGA Tour? No, I have not had status, so hopefully um, I'll be able to get to the LPGA Tour soon. Um, yeah, it's definitely a dream of mine. Have you, did you qualify, did you go to qualifying school and you, and you did not make it? Is that what happened? 
Yes, ma'am. I've been to the final stage the last couple of years, and uh, I just haven't played my best there. But, you know, hopefully this season or next season I can just finish in the top ten on Symmetra. You know why I'm asking all these questions? Because I, I know the feeling. I played on the tour for three years. I missed my card the first year. I got it the second year, and then I lost it after three years. So the reason <clears throat> that I'm asking all these questions is because I want people to know that your resilience and never give up attitude and continuing to go back out there, golf is golf, and this is for the long haul, I'm assuming, or you would have given up by now, right? Yes, yeah, I um, I still have a dream of playing out there, and hopefully one day I can make it a reality. Well, I bet you will, and again, I just I commend you for, you know, don't give up, keep working on your game, it's not, oh, I didn't make the tour in two years. You know why? Because you're just getting better and getting better and getting better, and clearly you're getting smarter because now you're hitting a four iron off the tee and hitting it in the fairway <laughs> and birdieing the last hole and winning in a playoff. So take that, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that That's nice. awesome. All right, Ted, go for it. <laughs> All right. I, I think you may already have let the cat out of the bag on, on my first question. So, um, you were playing, and I'm, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing this right. It's the Alaqua Country Club, is that correct, Laura? Yes, yeah, the event was held. It's Alaqua. Yes, okay. Yeah. Alaqua. Sorry. Okay. So you, you missed the cut the last uh, three visits there, uh, but you came back with a vengeance this time, uh, carding a 200 uh, par for the day to finish at 10 under to win the event. Um, but you reflect back on the previous years, and you credit a change uh, in the bag of improvement explain yeah you know accuracy has never been my strength and so that course is pretty tight and it's always given me trouble um but this year i went with in another four iron in the bag and it was great because it just took so much pressure off a lot of the tee shots and i knew i could hit that in the fairway and just didn't have to stress which um just made the whole experience a lot more pleasant um, but it was really rewarding to kind of see the progress. Um, you know, I've, I haven't had any great results there, so I was pretty shocked to do this well. But, you know, it just kind of shows that, you know, a lot of my hard work is finally starting to pay off. Yeah, and, you know, it, it raises, a, uh, Laura, a really interesting point um, for amateur golfers that are tuning in this morning. Um, you know, a lot of them go with the same uh, – sort of direction, if you will. And I'll give you an example. You know, most amateur golfers, they'll come out, they'll uh, hit their driver off the tee. doesn't matter where it's going. They just keep relying on that, that club. And they don't have the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'm not hitting it my best. I need to dial it back. I need to find a club in my bag that's going to keep me in the fairway, get me down long enough that it's going to count. But again, focusing on that accuracy. Do you see that as a problem as well with a lot of amateurs is they don't have sort of the wherewithal to say to themselves, you know what, let's keep that club in the bag. Let's put something else in the bag that I know that's going to get me success off the tee. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely true. Um, whereas I guess some players could think, oh, this is a short par four. It doesn't matter if I hit it 200 yards or 250 yards. I'm still going to have a wedge or a nine iron into the green. And if you can put yourself – in a spot where you're in the fairway and have an open shot to the green, you're going to have more success rather than, you know, looking in the woods and trying to pitch out and then give yourself a shot on. 
Um, it just makes the game a little bit easier when you can find the fairway. Yeah, and I agree. And you know what? Sometimes, uh, you know, in, in their quest for distance, uh, again, a lot of amateurs, I think, I won't say they're willing, but they're, they're acceptable of a, uh, a lack of accuracy. Um, and they would rather hit it, you know, 250 yards out there somewhere than 200 yards in the middle of the fairway. And you mentioned something, too, about, you know, recognizing this particular uh, course was very, very tight. Um, and you needed to have that uh, accuracy. Um, but one of the other things, too, I think, is your actual strategy on the course. For instance, you know, certain holes might fit your eye a little bit better than others. Uh, you know, Jack Nicholas famously said, you know, he preferred a hole that was left to right as opposed to right to left because, of course, the fade was the shot that he most often uh, was successful in. Are certain holes fit your eye or do certain holes, excuse me, fit your eye better than others. And on those holes that don't fit your eye, do you play them differently? Yeah. I, I mean, certain holes definitely just look good to you or to me. And um, you feel like, Oh man, this is a really good chance to, you know, have a birdie opportunity and, and so forth. And a lot of the holes that don't look good to me, I think, you know, I've played that course so many times and haven't always had the best results. So I end up remembering really great shots and really terrible shots. And so sometimes the bad shots stick out. And so I think, you know, when that happens, you just have to take an iron or a plywood or whatever it takes to get the ball in play. So you can have a second shot and can still have a chance to make a par or a birdie on the hole. Um, so it definitely takes a little bit of discipline, but I think it um, is just a better way to play. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Cindy, go ahead. What besides just putting in the four iron in your bag have you been working on in your game this year? Um, you know, I've been trying to make a few swing changes, um, just coming into the ball a little bit shallower. So I've been hitting, trying to hit more draws. And I think, you know, obviously I had some miss hits, but – Trying to take out one side of the golf course has um, just given me a little bit more confidence. So I know, you know, okay, I can start the ball down the right side and it's going to draw back. Um, it just kind of opens up the holes a little bit more. And I think last week I had just an incredible group the first couple of days and we were all so relaxed and just having a good time that, it, you know, we weren't thinking about, oh, this is for birdie or this is for par. We were just going out to play golf and having fun. And I think, just that relaxed atmosphere was uh, was key. It was really nice and a lot of fun. That does make a difference. I, I agree with you. How's your putting? My putting is definitely improving. It uh, It's kind of been up and down for me, but last week I was really solid. And to be honest, it's felt pretty good most of this year. And so I hope I can continue that and make a few more putts this coming week. Awesome. Awesome. What do you do for fun? What do I, I like to do anything outside. I um, spent a lot of the quarantine in Colorado, which has been a, which so much fun. You know, I love to hike, play golf, fish, um, just anything outdoors I am uh, ready to try. And so it's been, you know, we had so much fun in Colorado, and it was nice to spend some time with my family out there as well. Wow, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. Ted? So 
Laura, let me ask you. I'm I'm seeing here now uh, again sifting through the notes. You actually birdied number 18 in regulation to force a playoff in this tournament with Haley Hartford. Um, have you been in a in a playoff situation before? And if so, do you go in with any particular strategy? You know, this was my first playoff, and I I didn't really know you know what to think or what to do I um I had hit a great shot into that hole in regulation so I was trying just to you know see that shot again visualize it try to hit the same shot I did but it was definitely it was very nerve-wracking but at the same time you know Haley is also a firm and alum and so I think it was really cool for both of us to just represent the school well and know that a paladin was going to get the victory and so that was really fun very good now you mentioned here in, uh, you know, in your in your interviews that you feel really incredible that you're still actually in in shock and don't really believe it. But as I mentioned, you've won previously on the Symmetra Tour, so this wasn't your first win. You still have that feeling, though. You still had a feeling of shock, and 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 if so, why did you feel that? Yeah, I mean, there's so many great players out here that anytime. You can put yourself in contention. I think it's an accomplishment. And, you know, I think I was more shocked just because I never considered Aliqua to be a course that fit my game or, you know, the holes didn't suit my eye right. And so I think I was just so proud of myself for, you know, conquering a course that's given me so much trouble throughout the years. And um, so I think that's why I was shocked. You know, I I try to go into every week thinking you can win, but – it's hard when you haven't really had a whole lot of success. So I was just, I mean, I'm just so proud of myself for kind of putting that to the back of my mind and not thinking about that and just focusing on this year and staying in the present. But I think it was just a course that hasn't really suited me well in the past. So I was kind of a little bit surprised to put everything together mm-hmm. that week. And um, yeah, it was, it was just a really good feeling. Well, and I think that's great. I think it's good to have that kind of, uh, feeling going into every event. I think, you know, um, to have that almost like the newness, almost like you've never won before, to have that energy and that excitement because I think when it gets to a point, and obviously I think all players um, are, are grateful for whatever wins they they have, but I think after you get a few tournaments under your belt, sometimes, I don't know, I could be wrong, but you get kind of a little bit complacent. Well, I've already won before, but I think if you go in with that sort of, you know, excitement and and energy that like, as though this is the first one you're going to win, I think it just, you know, puts you on a whole different level. Um, so when you're practicing as, as you know, and, and particularly many of our amateurs know, sometimes it can get a little bit routine. It gets a little bit mundane. What do you do to keep your practice um, fresh and exciting so that, um, you, you know, it's not kind of getting dull and boring every time you go out there? Well, I love to, I'd rather spend more time on the course just because, you know, every day the course is different. You're going to hit different shots, have different challenges. You play with different people. And that just kind of keeps it fun for me. I love, you know, going out in the practice rounds with other players and seeing how they're going about holes and how I go about holes and how our strategies are similar and different. Um, And just even playing, you know, fun games like a match play contest or, you know, putting contest, chipping contest. Um, you know, everybody always likes to win. So when you're playing for something, you know, you can focus a little bit more and it just keeps it fun. So that's what I try to do. Just have practice with other people and play games and things like that. Yeah. You have to mix it up a little bit, right? You have to kind of, 
yeah, you have to make it interesting and, you know, you want to challenge yourself each time when you go out there to, to push yourself a little bit further. Um, but yeah, you've got to mix it up a little bit because, you know, if you're out there for an hour or more, uh, it can get a little bit routine and, and, uh, especially in, in the case of a, a, a tournament player like yourself, you've got to be out there practicing every day. You've got to keep it fresh and, and interesting. So, um, what part of your game comes easier to you and what part of your game uh, you, do you find the most challenging? I think I've, I've struggled with short game. Um, you know, chipping and putting I've been inconsistent at, so I have some, some great shots and some really bad shots. So I think that's where I have to spend most of my time practicing just to you know, get confidence and work on technique and just kind of know, okay, if you miss the green, I can still get up and down. Um, and then typically, I guess my long game has come a little bit easier for me. I usually hit a lot of greens and I have the distance, but, um, you know, it's still you have to make the putts. And, you know, I think the short game is really where you can see your score drop. And so that's what I have to mm-hmm. constantly work on to keep improving and um, trying to figure out new ways to hit shots around the greens. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think the the tighter the short game you have, the more success you're going to have in your career because uh, you're not always going to hit every shot down the middle of the fairway. You're going to have some stray shots here and there, or you're going to maybe fall short of a green here and there as well, which we all know happens. So it's good to have that chipping and, and short pitch shots uh, in your bag as well. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And the more you can use your imagination to create different shots, the better you're going to be. And then when you're standing on a tee box or hitting a shot into a green, you're not so afraid to miss the green. Therefore, mm-hmm. you're not playing with clenched butt cheeks, and then you can hit it better <laughs> and score better. Right? Yes, I agree. Yes. <laughs> so if you were to say something uh, to someone who's trying to play, what would you tell them? I think you just have to remember to have fun. I mean, we get to play golf for a living, and, I mean, I can't imagine a better job than that. And, you know, it can get stressful at times, and, you know, we all feel the pressure and the stress, but at the same time we're doing something we love. And so just to keep enjoying it and, you know, have fun with it and just try your best every day because, you know, at the end of the day we're playing golf. We're not going to the office or – doing anything like that we truly get to do something we love and are passionate about to just stay present and have a great time great advice ted Mm -hmm. i couldn't agree more um so you're you're now in i believe you said daytona uh getting ready for this week's event this metro classic um and as i mentioned off air you're coming in with a little bit of a high you've just won the past uh, weekend's tournament, so you're obviously excited, got a lot of adrenaline going. What's your game plan going to be going into this event? Are you going to change anything, or are you going to go basically with the same game plan you had last week? Um, I think the game plan changes a little bit just based on the course. This is a little bit more of a, I guess, quote-unquote bomber's course, so there's a lot of drivers off the tee. It's pretty wide open, um, and so I think just that strategy is, you know, hitting bigger shots off the tee and trying to give myself some wedges into the green to capitalize. But um, I love this golf course, and I have so many great memories from here. And so I'm just excited for the tournament to start. And um, it's great being back here. And, um, you know, I'm hoping for a good week this week. 
I I think that's a great way to uh, a great attitude, if you will, uh, to come into an event is to assess the course that you're going to be playing because they are different each week and and sort of formulate a new game plan. You're going to have obviously certain things that you're going to stick with the tried and true, uh, if you will. But it's always good to take a look at uh, what course you're playing and you might have to make some adjustments or tweak a few things here and there. And I think that's uh, that's good is the four out fire four excuse me four iron. You can tell I'm sick. Uh, staying in the bag this week, the extra four iron. It is staying in the bag. Yeah, I I really liked it. It you know was easy to hit, and so I'm excited to have it. I, um, yeah, hopefully it'll make my life easier. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited, and I think that's here to stay. Well, I I think it's uh, it should become your your new favorite club. You had some success this past weekend, <laughs> and uh, I think you should definitely hold on to that a little bit tighter. Uh, than you would. But um, any final thoughts that you would like to share uh, or tips that you would like to share with our amateurs that may be tuning in uh, this morning uh, as they continue their journey trying to improve their game? What would be uh, your your number one tip that you would give most amateurs? You know, I think a lot of amateurs, they love to play golf, and, you know, when they practice, they go straight to the driving range and, you know, just hit driver after driver. But if you only have 15 minutes to practice, maybe spend five minutes on the driving range and 10 minutes um, putting or chipping because that's where you're going to shave the most shots off your game. Um, you know, we hit so many little shots around the green that if you can just practice those and stay sharp with your short game, I feel like that's going to help you out the most. Um and then I would also say just to swing easy. You don't have to kill the ball. You know, if you swing easy, you're probably going to hit the ball a little bit more solid, which that will make the ball go farther. Um, it's not about just trying to absolutely kill it. Yeah, I smart. think that's a smart – yeah, very smart. A lot of amateurs, you know, you can see them, uh, their veins popping in their forearms. They're gripping the club so tight, and they're just swinging for the hills. And more often than not, they get very little distance and definitely not very much accuracy. Well, Laura, we want to thank you very much for joining us this morning. And, again, congratulations on your win this past weekend at the Iowa uh, Golf Classic. And good luck this week at the Symmetra Classic uh, down in Daytona. We wish you all the best. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Good luck, honey. All right. Go out there. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. Thank you. All right, that was Laura Warren, winner of the Iowa Golf Classic uh, Symmetric Tour event that just happened this past weekend. And uh, Cindy, she's off to uh, make her way and uh, in Daytona. Now, you played these courses here. What what are some of the challenges, do you think, that she's going to be faced this week? Um, the wind could be a big challenge. Uh, the weather could be a big challenge. And then there are, you know, it's, uh, uh, what's the word? Risk, risk reward. So if there are mm-hmm. some certain places that you just can't hit the ball. Um, there's a couple of par fives that, you know, she can reach for sure. I'm, sh- I'm certain of it, but again, you've got to be very careful, but it is more of a bomber's course and she's going to have a lot of confidence, which is good. So she's probably just going to let this big dog eat, right, and let it rip, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's – those are my thoughts. You know, it's a great it, golf course. It, it, I it, like the other one better because yeah. I like tighter. 
Right. You know, it's interesting though. You know, yeah, I, I agree. It, it's interesting though that this is a, as she mentioned, a bomber's course. And I wonder sometimes, and, and again, this is where many amateurs fall into the trap that knowing that you can take an extra swipe at it and, and hit a little bit further and not have to worry about his accuracy. If that can throw your game off a little bit. And, and here's why I say that, um, she's already acknowledged that she's not really accurate, and yes, she's going to have more margin for error, but is that going to make her try to force it down the fairway a little harder and sacrifice possibly more accuracy? Uh, is it going to serve her well? What do you think? I don't know. We'll have to see, won't we? Probably. I don't <laughs> think she's – again, the more you're out there, the longer you play, the more you learn. Yeah. And she's not stupid. She's she's failed enough to get the feedback to fix it. You know what I mean? And the more yep. mature you are, the more you yeah, the more you mess up, the better you get. Hopefully, <laughs> otherwise you don't learn the well, lesson, and then it keeps happening. Yeah, and I think that's the re- that's a great point too, Cindy. You know, it, it's interesting when you see some of the new, uh, you know, ladies coming out on you know the Symmetra tour. Um, full of you know confidence, they've had a great collegiate career. They're you know they're striking the ball really really well, and then they get out there and reality sets in that hey, this is a lot tougher. I mean, how many of these young ladies we've had on the show where they come out really strong in the beginning, and then all of a sudden you know the wheels start falling off the bus, and you know we've had a few on here that thought about giving up the game and and somehow found you know the secret strength to come back and, and battle it out you know a little bit harder, and ultimately went on to win. Uh, so it's a lot tougher out there than I think the average folk uh, really appreciate. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Abs- uh, yeah. This is difficult. I mean, <laughs> well, you, you've got you know you've got the added pressure now. Obviously, with COVID and that, you don't have the uh, the crowds and things like that. And I know Symmetra is a little bit obviously different than the LPJ, but nonetheless you know you, you you're out there by yourself a lot but you've got the added pressure of, of the tournament play you've got to position yourself well and if you don't you know stay up in that that you know top 10 you're not going to advance uh onto the lpj and you've got to go back through uh you know what they refer to previously as, as q school mm-hmm. i know it's uh, i know it's different so there's a lot of things that you have to factor in there and uh it can be uh, i'm sure a little daunting and then on top of that um, as many of them mentioned, you know, the, the purses in these tournaments for Symmetra obviously are not as healthy as they are out in the LPJ or, or some of the other tours. So um, having to have the pressure of not only playing well, but figuring out, you know, how you're going to budget yourself in such a way to carry you out through the season. You don't want to run out of money halfway through the season because you're not playing well. <clears throat> That's the added pressure that, you know, a lot of folks uh, I don't think can fully appreciate, right? Well, here's here's the catch. Again, she's been trying to play since 2014. That's six years. Now, she said she, she was an amateur then, and then she was injured, so really 2016. So you've got four full years of playing on the Symmetra Tour with no status on the LPGA Tour. And if you've got sponsors, they're going to go, uh, what's the deal here, right? And, and when yeah. are you going to qualify? Because... It's going to cost you probably fifty thousand a year to do this right, and that's a lot of money. Now she's made yep. money 
and she's won three times. But again, that yep. gun's pointed at your head. And I don't know her personal mm-hmm. circumstance, but that's what happens with all these kids. And it doesn't mean they can't make it, but how long can they last, <clears throat> you know, to keep doing yep. what they're doing? Um, here's the other, this is going to sound mean, but our son tried to play for a few years and didn't make it, then had a boating accident. Now he's his financial advisor and doing very, very well, right? And mm-hmm. there was a young a kid that's 28 that was at his club, and he said, you know, I saw this kid at the club the other day and said, you know, have you got sponsors? No, I hate to ask for money. And he goes, well, how long are you going to keep doing this? Well, I just want to keep playing. And, you know, and then, and then, and And Jamie goes, look, you've got no success. You've got no money, and you're 28. What are you going to do? Yep. You know, it's time to yep. look in the mirror. And this yep. might not be for you. And, again, that's kind of mean, but if you don't have any money to keep playing and you're not having any success and you're not exempt anywhere, how long can you keep doing this? And then the fear is who's going to hire me when I'm 28 and I've got no experience. Yeah. Yeah, you really have to take stock of – yeah, you, that's a, gr- a really great um, story to share because it, it is true. I think a lot of people – you know, we all love to go. I would love to, you know, uh, be out there and battling it with some of the best of the best, but it takes – number one, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of uh, commitment, and, you know, the the um, – I, I guess the, the success rate – is really very, very low when you think about it. I mean, if you think of all the players that are out there battling it in all of the tours, how many of them are really, you know, as the old saying goes, the cream rises to the top. Uh, Some of them are just barely making it. Some of them are not making it and drop off as time goes on. Um, But that's a great point. Uh, You know, you have to take stock of things. If you're 28 years old and you're not winning anything and you've got really no sponsorship, you obviously, you know, maybe your your folks have floated you some money for a while because it's a, a dream and a passion of yours, but there comes a point in time where you have to say to yourself, look, I've either got to do something to step up my game, I've got to reach out. If I've, if I've got game that I can be competitive um, and if I'm finishing in, in a certain plateau in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the area, um, you know, to keep going on, then that's one thing. But if you're not even making, if you've never made it in the top 10 or even the top 20, and you've been out there for four, six, eight years, you need to take stock and say, look, maybe this is, you know, I want to keep playing golf. I want to play it for fun. But a professional career as as a pro golfer may not be the ticket. And you're just, you know, throwing whatever money you do have out the window. And you're right. At the end of the day, you know, it could be 30 before he wakes up. Who's going to hire you at 30 with no job? Uh, skills because you were a pro golfer that's great it's an interesting story but what other experience can you bring to the table and at that time of your age uh, you know uh, you're it, it's harder to train you in areas that you should have already had experience in so a lot of companies are going to you know thank you but no we've got 1500 other applications to look at all right so let's move on uh we got the no bs zone and we're going to talk about uh, top 10 mistakes amateur golfers make. Um, and I don't necessarily put them in any particular order. They've, uh, this was something I actually pulled offline uh, the other day and I thought was kind of interesting. Um, number one here they've got is not warming up properly. And we talked about this before, but uh, even Laura mentioned about it as well. Uh, you know, 
you need to actually warm up before you're playing around. And we're not talking about a full-blown practice session. You need to get out there. You need to get those muscles stretched and, and shoulders and backs and legs, uh, you know, need to be loosened up a little bit. Um, what do you recommend, Cindy, if somebody's playing in an event, even if it's not a pro event, if it's maybe their corporate outing and that, what do you recommend most amateurs should spend? How much time should they spend warming up before a round? Well, it depends on how old you are and how stiff you are. Again, you know, if you had, let's say you have no time to warm up. What I would do is I yep. would go, if you have to run to the first tee, I would take two irons and put them together and hold the grip of both clubs, which is going to be fat, right, and, and hold them in the air and just kind of swing back real slow back and through just to loosen your body up. I would do a few stretches. I would take some practice swings and brush the grass, and then I would go. Now, that's not the best thing to do, but that's better than doing nothing and just running up to the first tee and taking out your driver and letting it rip. Um, The next thing I would do is if I had 15 minutes, I would get a small bucket. I would start with a couple of irons, maybe wedges, and then I would Mm -hmm. hit a couple of uh, mid-irons, a couple of hybrids, a couple drivers, and go. The other thing we didn't discuss is should we hit a couple of putts? Well, yeah, just to get the Mm -hmm. feel of the speed of the greens for sure. What do you think? Yep. Yeah, I I agree. I I think, you know, I think most people can, you know, unless they are are very, very inept at playing, they can generally hit the ball a decent distance. It may not be the most accurate, but they can hit it off the tee, maybe get it down a couple hundred yards or even 175 yards, let's say. I think most people can get it down that far, even some of our older golfers and that. But the short game is, as even Laura pointed out, is really where you miss a lot of strokes. So if you can warm up with your, your wedges, as you suggest, and particularly putting, if you get out there and you haven't even tapped a few putts on, on the putting surface and you get out there and you know, miraculously you get on the, you know, the green and regulation and you haven't practiced your putting and you've got a 25-foot lag putt and you have no idea how fast those greens are, um, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to either hit it real short or you're more than likely, unless you happen to be lucky, you're going to blow it past. And then ultimately what ends up happening is when you've blown it past, you end up choking on the one coming back and you leave it short. So, you know, you're exactly right. You need to focus on your short game. I would say in any warm-up, I would rather them spend the majority of the time hitting their shorter clubs. Certainly, you know, hit a driver or two, you know, just to see how you're playing that day. And if your driver's not going well, um, I'm not necessarily suggesting a four iron for some of our amateur golfers, but maybe a hybrid off the tee might be a better route or, uh, you know, a fairway wood or something like that that's going to get you in play uh, in the fairway. So, yes, I, I agree 100%. Number two would be to uh, many players, believe it or not, uh, not checking their equipment before playing. There is nothing worse. You're showing up to the, to, you know, to the course, getting ready. You've got a few minutes before you play. You're going to warm up, and you rush into there. You get your clubs out the bat, and you realize the night before you were cleaning up your clubs, and you th- forgot to throw your putter back into the bag, or you forgot to throw some other club that you're uh, used to hitting uh, successfully, suddenly you see he's not in the bag because you forgot to put it back in. Um, you're allowed 14 clubs in the bag. Cindy, that can be a nightmare depending on the circumstances. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just, you know what, what, what we're learning today 
from Laura and this, you know, topic, if you will, is mm-hmm. use wisdom. Use wisdom. Yep. Everybody's like, oh, I got to make this putt. Well, when you try to make the 10 footer and you're not at four feet by and then you three putt, maybe even four putt, well, that was stupid. Try to avoid stupid yep. and use wisdom. If Again, yep. I say to people, look, if you can't reach the greens and regulation, be on and one over regulation and, and two putt every hole and you shoot 90. And most people can't shoot 90. And that, But at least you have a, yep. somewhere to go from there. So I would say the lesson of the day is wisdom. Don't run. Yep. You know, uh, take a break. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, we all make some dumb mistakes out there in the golf course. I don't care what level you are. Some of the best players in the world have made some dumb mistakes out there. Um, but the fewer dumb mistakes you make, the more success you're going to have. Um, so I, I agree with that. Um, number three would be using the wrong ball for your game. Um, you know, I've seen, I'm sure you've seen many high handicappers, and I'm not giving any uh, endorsements here, but, um, you know, losing $45 or more worth of Pro V1, uh, you know, balls on, on a typical round. Um, you know, as a beginner or high handicapper, you really need a ball that offers distance. Uh, so use a more durable ball that offers additional distance over control. Um, and also, you know, there's a lot of cheaper alternatives out there. If you're not a great player, you don't need to be playing the best ball, you know, some of the best golf ball. And there are differences. There are definitely differences. I've played a variety of different golf balls. And, Cindy, it just does not make sense to go out and spend, you know, 40 $50 you know, dollars plus a dozen golf balls knowing that you're probably going to lose a few of them along the way. Um, what do you think? I mean, help the amateurs out here. What should they do? Buy the least expensive ball they can find. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I would. I mean, again, you're going to lose them. And here's the other thing. Watch your ball till it stops. That drives me out of my yeah. mind, the pet peeve. Is you know they go oh and they look up in the air like it was God's fault that they missed it and and then they stop <laughs> watching the ball and then they can't find the ball and then I have to search for their ball and I can't stand looking for golf balls I, I like looking for golf balls if I don't have anything else to do it's like an Easter egg hunt but I don't want to look for your golf right ball. so watch right. the ball till it's done and buy cheap balls because you're gonna uh, lose a lot of them yeah and. And, and if you're not, you know, a tour player, you don't need to buy the most expensive golf balls anyways. I know it's nice to say I'm playing Titleist or I'm playing, you know, whatever, you know, is, is your particular thing. Uh, and it's the most expensive out there. But the truth of the matter is, um, you know, most golf balls are going to yield success if, the, if you're able to hit them with solid contact. Uh, and get them up in the air. If you can't even get the golf ball up in the air, it doesn't matter what golf ball you put down in front of the club. Um, so that would be, uh, I think, a, a given. You know, be smart about it. Going back to what you said, you know, use some common sense and be smart about it. Make good, uh, you know, sound wisdom-filled uh, decisions. Number four, overestimating how far uh, you hit the club. Uh, you know, we all marvel <laughs> at some of the best players. You know, right. You know, I mean – it's that's a common one I see all the time, as I know you do. You know, they see the the tour pros hitting, you know, a 220, 220-yard shot with a 5-iron, and they get the same distance think, okay, well, I'm going to pull out, you know, a 5-iron because that's what they're hitting. Um, not the case. 
know your distances, right, Cindy? Yeah, denial. <laughs> oh, I hit it this far, really? Let me see, right? And then, so then what happens is, you know, oh, I hit my pitching wedge 160 yards, and then you're short in the bunker, so or short of the bunker. Mm-hmm. So just don't be in denial. Have some wisdom. Yeah, and and you'll play better. Yeah, and right. Right. Well, and, and also too, this is this is yeah, this is something else too that a lot of amateurs miss the boat on uh, when it comes to distances. You know, they say, well, I used to hit my seven iron 150 yards. Well, that was 20 years ago. How far are you hitting it now? <laughs> uh, am I right? I mean, how many times have you well, said, well, and you know, I must last, tell you this. Last, so listen. Yeah. yeah. So hang yeah. on a second. I got new Maverick clubs, right? And I got news for mm-hmm. you. Those lofts, the loft of the nine iron has got to be a seven iron because <laughs> I'm hitting it farther. <laughs> and we both know that yeah. Cindy's not really hitting it farther. So the clubs kind of play with you, and then you think you're longer, which is really denial, right? That's not the case. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it's just be realistic and honest and have wisdom, and guess what? You don't have to prove anything to anybody, just yourself. So I dare you to do that. Yep. It's amazing, and that's what a lot of people don't realize is the lofts these days, you know, they play around with them, and and many tour players as well, uh, you know, you might think they're playing a nine-iron, but like you said, it's actually a seven-iron loft. So when they're hitting these great distances and they're saying, well, they only hit a, you know, a nine-iron, or they only hit their wedge, but their wedge is actually the same as an eight-iron. Um, well, again, you, know, you just it, it, need to not, know what you hit the club with the number on it, but just right, know that the right. that the lofts of the clubs are so different than when I was younger, you know. Sure. So yeah, it's like, oh, I'm not that old. Well, yes, you are. <laughs> but, but the clubs yeah. have helped. You. I hear you. I remember. <laughs> listen, I remember that too. So I'm I'm getting up there. Um, number five, uh, keeping the grooves on your club clean and effective. Uh, one of the biggest frustrations for many amateurs is when they hit, uh, when they do hit the ball cleanly into the green, they see and race up to the green without the spin being applied. Uh, if you've been playing with your irons for 20 years, the same irons, and you're not getting much spin uh, out of them, uh, you might want to check to see that the grooves aren't worn. Um, that can also be uh, something. So take it into your local pro, get them to look at your, your irons particularly, and see whether or not you need to get yourself maybe a new set of clubs. Because they might be so worn down. And I, I throw the grips in this as well. If you've got really slick grips, um, it might be time to change them. It may not be that That's you're sure. not swinging well. I mean... I, I I kid you not. I've seen some people, Cindy. I don't know. I mean, they've they'll go out and say, "Well, you know, my uncle handed me down this this uh, set of golf clubs, and I'm really excited. You know, I didn't have to go out and spend the money." And you pull them out of the bag, and they haven't been changed in 25, 30 years. And yeah, you got to you know, change those your clips once a year are, at least. Right. The clubs are twisting around in their hand, and they can't figure out why they're not hitting it straight. So that was one there. There's not really a lot we need to go on about it, but uh, check the grooves on your clubs. Take it in if you're not you know, somebody that's really knowledgeable, take it into your local pro or club fitter and have them take a look at it and, uh, 
you know, see what needs to happen there. But uh, that could also be uh, a problem. And that's something that a lot of am- amateur golfers really don't even think about. Um, this one here is just a simple one. Again, we don't need to go too much. Uh, number six, teeing up the ball in front of the tee box. There's, uh, this is a mistake, believe it or not, I've seen a lot of amateurs play where they actually tee the ball up in front of the tee box. And what I mean by that is you've got your, your markers on your tee box and you draw sort of an imaginary line there uh, between the two. And I'll see people because the, the, the ground is a little smoother or it's a little bit... Um, if you were playing in a tournament, that's a penalty stroke. That's illegal to do that in play. Um, your buddies might let you get away with it, but um, that's a no-no. So tee it within the markers or behind. Don't go ahead of the markers. Uh, otherwise, you'll be incurring a stroke and unless your buddies are a little more forgiving. And if you're playing for money, don't count on it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Number seven, for dropping sure. a lost or un, yeah or unplayable uh, ball from the rough. Uh, if your ball is unplayable or lost, do you just drop a ball from your bag on the fairway and play from there? Uh, many amateurs do this, uh, but this is wrong. What's the right way? If you've got an unplayable ball, uh, what's the proper? Well, an unplayable lie, you have to move it to club length and drop, but um, and make sure you drop it from knee height. I haven't played in enough tournaments yes. since the rules changed. We used to drop it from waist high, but now it's knee height. Um, but if you feel like you've lost a ball, you've got to reload from where you hit from. So make sure that if you, you know, let's say you're teeing off and you think it might be in the woods or out of bounds, play a provisional ball. And you have to say, I'm going to play a provisional ball. That was a title of three. This one's a title of four. And you have to state that before you hit just to make sure so you don't have to walk back. So lost ball and out of bounds, you have to reload from where you hit from. And most people don't do that. They think they can just drop from where they are, and that is not the case. Right. To give you uh, yeah, the, the official is if your ball is unplayable, then you have three options. You can either go back to where the ball was originally played and play the shot again, uh, incurring one penalty stroke, play the ball from a position two club lengths from where it lies, but no nearer the hole, penalty of one stroke, or take a line from the hole to where the ball lay unplayable and drop the ball uh, on this line two club lengths or more uh, behind where the ball was unplayable, again, for a one-shot penalty. So you've got three options that you can do there. Obviously, you want to find the, um, the one that's going to be best for you. If you're a really good player and just happen to hit a bad shot, you may or may not want to go back depending on the circumstances to where you originally played that first shot. Um, but you know, you've got a couple of op- options there and that's where knowing the rules. And I always recommend, um, you know, I know we, we've got to be careful of timing and, and stuff on the golf course nowadays, but you know, I always say, you know, have a rule book handy. And I always say highlight some of the more common ones that you generally are going to be faced with. Every rule obviously applies, but some of them, uh, many of our amateurs run into more than not. Um, you know, mark your book, your rule book, uh, with a little page indicator or something so that you know right where to go if you're unclear of that. And again, if you're just playing with your, your friendly foursome, you may not have to adhere to uh, a strict uh, regimen of, of rules. Um, but definitely if you're in a tournament uh, of some sort, whether it's your club championship or obviously in a, in a, 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 a PGA or an LPGA or what have you, tour event, um, there's definitely rules that you have to follow. And if you're un clear 
then you ask for a rules official to get a, a better re- uh, ruling. So um, some great, uh, great points there. Uh, number eight, not practicing the shots they need to at the range. Again, this is a huge mistake. Um, at the range, they devote 70% of their balls hitting their driver, fairway woods or longer irons, 20% of their time uh, using hitting mo- uh, low, mid to low irons and 10% of their time uh, pitching and maybe a few uh, things. Cindy, let's let's try to straighten some folks out here. What should they be practicing on the range? They should be practicing the shots they're going to use. Um, mm-hmm. So absolutely, you know, practice the shots you have trouble with. Just And here's the other thing. I would do fairway finders. I would just practice half little swings, try to bun it out there straight, and work on the things that will help you the most. Don't go to the driving range and grab your driver and start whacking away like you got a tire iron in your hand. So I would just do slow half swings to get the feel to be able to hit the ball straight. It's not about who, how far you hit it. And, again, you know, people come for a lesson and they're like, oh, i got to hit my driver straight. I go, okay, what do you shoot when you play? Oh, about 100. And I go, okay, you, do you know, you know, of those 100 shots, 14 of them are your driver. How can yep. we fix the rest of them, right? So mm-hmm. just use your brain. Yeah, it, people, t- yeah people just don't understand – that again, the majority of their shots, over 50%, are going to be within 100 yards of the green. That's that's a number that people really need to let soak in. 50% or even more in some cases, depending on where you're playing and and your level of play. But at least 50% are your short game. So why are you practicing with a club that you might hit 14 times? on a golf course as opposed to clubs that you're going to be hitting 50% of the time with. It just doesn't make any sense. And this is why, uh, again, handicaps have not gone down. It's because people focus on areas of the game. Now, it doesn't mean you don't practice those areas, but if you're spending, as it pointed out here, 70% of your time hitting drives with your driver, a club that you might hit 14 times on any given round, the math just does not add up because you're not scoring with that club. That's simply a club that gets you off the tee, puts you in a, a good position. It's important, yes, but it's not the one that's going to score. Um, number nine, grounding your club in a hazard. Many amateurs will unintentionally ground their club in a bunker or water hazard uh, when considering their shots, and this is actually a penalty. Um, grounding the club in a hazard is not allowed, and... Players should not do this. Uh, Dustin Johnson did that, unfortunately, in a tournament and uh, cost, him, cost him a stroke. That's, um, you know, Cindy, it's self-explanatory. Uh, the reason you can't do that is obviously in the case of a bunker, um, it's considered testing the sand and uh, not a good thing. Have you ever accidentally grounded your club? I have not. Because... <laughs> You again, know what I have done? Again, comes I've with... hit the sand. Again, not in a tournament, but I have hit the sand lately playing with students on the on my backswing. And I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't do that. So <laughs> if you're hovering the club above the sand and you start the club back and you touch any of the sand, that's a penalty as well, which is yep. kind of scary, right? 
Yeah, especially if you've got and, – and this is areas that can be very, very tricky. If you've got a, a, a ball that's sitting downhill in a bunker, if you've got it sort of plugged in the back and you've got to take right. that club up abruptly because you've got a, a lip right there or, or what have you or the, the slope of it is rising – you got to be careful of that because you're exactly right. That is a penalty as well. And again, if you're playing with your your buddies on a you know your friendly foursome on a weekend or your weekend warrior, what have you, uh, you know they're probably not going to be as as diligent about that. But the truth is, you need to know the rules. You need to know how to play properly. Um, and I'm not suggesting that if you're doing that uh, by accident in that environment that you're cheating, but you're not playing by the rules. And you should play by the rules because if you do at some point play in your club championship, the more you're practicing things the right way the more apt you're going to be successful out there. If you're allowing yourself these little glitches and mistakes along the way and you're not holding yourself accountable, then you're not really being honest and you're not really playing honestly. Um, you know, it's like I've seen some people where they'll get the old foot wedge and they've got a bad lie, you know, and they, well, I'll just roll it over here because it's kind of plugged it. Well, no. Play the ball where it lies. That's cheating. So if you're posting, well, hey, I shot a great round, I – you know, I, I broke 80 for the first time, which is not likely going to happen at that level. We'll say 90 for the first time. Well, no, you didn't because you used the old foot wedge back on number eight and uh, encouraged yourself a stroke that you didn't count. So um, don't ground your clubs and and be honest with yourself uh, when you're playing. You're going to find a much more enjoyable round, and you're going to feel better about that round. And that brings us to number 10, Cindy which is lack of etiquette. And there's a lot of different things. Manners are imperative on the golf course. Uh, so it's important that uh, amateurs remember uh, some uh, you know, key rules. Play at a decent speed. Let quicker groups through. Uh, we've talked about that before. If you lose a ball, only spend uh, you know, uh, five minutes uh, maximum for it. And wave the group behind you. Um, don't talk or have your phone on loudly while you're on the course, especially when there are others taking shots. And don't walk in the line of other putts. We've talked about that as well. Uh, but it goes to what I just talked about is having some integrity. Cindy, this is something I know that you're working with your students is not just teaching them how to hit the ball well, but you're also trying to instill a sense of etiquette and how they conduct themselves out in the golf course. Would I be accurate? You would be accurate. So <clears throat> what I tell them is I said, look, I'm going to treat you as if you're playing with me in a tour event. And I, I, Fortunately, I've been told multiple times what a pleasure it is to play with me. And I'm a speeder, right? I'm business, like, let's go, let's get this done, blah, 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 let's move. But yet I root for people. So you want to be a pleasure to play with. So how can you be a pleasure to play with? You have to be aware of what you're doing on the course and make sure that you're not driving people nuts and that you're um, out of their way. You don't stand behind them when they hit. So all these things, you know, I'll mark or I'll finish. What's that mean? Well, you know, when I knock a putt up, that's pretty close so that the person that's up next knows whether or not they should get ready to putt, you say, I'll mark or I'll finish. And that's what you do on Mm -hmm. tour just so that people know when you're out of the way. The other thing is learning how to rake a bunker. I mean, when I caddied for my husband on the PGA Tour, I, like, got yelled at. Like, that's not how you rake a bunker. Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Who the heck knew that there was a way to rake a bunker, right? Right. But, again, they're playing for a living, and you don't want to be perceived as a pain in the butt because word gets out, and nobody wants to play with you. 
So, yeah, I, yeah, that's a big deal with my people that I teach, whether you're young or you're old. Yep. You have to have, yeah, you have to have integrity. You have to play with wisdom, as you suggest. You know, you, common sense sometimes comes in. If you don't know the rules and you don't understand the proper etiquette, I look at it this way. There is no excuse. I don't care if you're brand new to the game. There are so many. You know, think about this, Cindy, real quick as we, we get ready to wrap up. If you go out on a job interview, you prepare, or if you've got a sales presentation, you don't just I – mean, I hope you wouldn't. Anyway, wing it. You don't just walk yeah. into the – yeah, you don't just go in there and wing it. You prepare for it. So if you're new to the game and you don't know all of the, the ins and outs – and not every, and listen, some of us that have played for years and years, we forget probably more than we've ever known. Um, at least I can attest to that. I've forgotten a lot of things over the years, you know, just as, as yeah. we get older. But um, – but, I always made a point of understanding what it is that I need to do when I'm at the golf course, when I, from the moment I arrive to the moment of I, I leave. And it's not all about rules and regulations. It's just common courtesies. It's etiquette. Um, you know, it's, it's a, a form of professionalism, and you do that in your everyday life. So if you're willing to do that as a parent or as a business person, then you also need to have that same uh, integrity, if you will, as a golfer. And if you're unsure where to go, connect with somebody like a Cindy Miller uh, or go into the pro shop and talk to them there and just say, I'm new to the game. Uh, you know, give me, uh, you know, sort of the, the rundown of some things I need to know. And they will be more than helpful to help you out and answer any questions that you may have. So do a little research, um, you know, before you go out there and play. And you're less apt to be... Uh, uncomfortable when you go out there because you're going to have a general understanding um, of what needs to be done. You're not going to be perfect, but you're going to get off with a, a running start uh, the first time you go out there. So don't be afraid to ask questions. And when you're meeting with your pro for the first time, consider it like an interview, not interviewing you, you interviewing them. Make sure that they're giving you some good sound advice. And if you're unclear of that, uh, of something that they've said, get them to repeat it. Say, I'm not clear of that. Don't be, don't say, well, don't think to yourself, well, that's kind of stupid. I shouldn't ask that. If you don't honestly know the answer to it and you're not clear at what, what they're expressing to you, get them to repeat it. Get them to say, I don't fully understand that. Can you explain it a little bit more? Um, that's what they're there to do for. That's what you're paying them for uh, in that case. So, uh, Cindy, any final thoughts before we, we click off and, and head out for the day? Nope. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, everybody. On behalf of um, Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. Thank you for uh, joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. We will see you next week right here. God bless everybody and have a great week. Thanks, Cindy. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.